Uh, well, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, I just pray that that would be our, our prayer today. Lord, that you be our one thing. You be our heart's desire. And that may everything within us seek you. Lord, what greater treasure in the world is there than to know the Lord? Oh Lord, let that be our prayer. Let that be the desire of our life that we might know you and be with you. Now Lord, today I pray that you would be with us in this place. Lord, speak to us through your word. Touch our hearts. Teach us. Give us hearts that hear and see so we might follow your ways, O Lord. This I pray in Christ's name. Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles with you this morning, turn with me to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13. We are continuing our series on the kingdom parables as they are found here in Matthew's gospel. And today we are looking at the parable of the weeds. In Matthew chapter 13, looking at verses 24 through 30 first, and then the explanation in verses 36 through 43. So Matthew chapter 13, verse 24 is where we'll begin. And we're going to read that first part, and then in a moment as we get into the message, we'll look at that explanation in 36 through 43. If you found your place there, please stand with me in reverence to the reading of God's holy word. Hear the word of the Lord. He put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared also. And the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, did, not you, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? He said to them, An enemy has done this. So the servants said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather them? But he said, No, lest in gathering the weeds you root up the wheat along with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at harvest time I will tell the reapers, Gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned. But gather the wheat into my barn. Amen. May the Lord have blessings to the reading of his holy, inspired, and inerrant word. And may he write its eternal truth on all our hearts. And you may be seated. Well, as you survey the current state of things in the world and, and look how things are going, and uh, sometimes it seems like things go from bad to worse. And, and 
we could respond to that in a number of ways. One way we could respond to it is we could just flat out get angry about it. Uh, we could get mad at the world and, and let's head out the doors and let's change the world. Do whatever we have to do and let's change the world. Let's bring God's kingdom here now uh, through our efforts, right? Uh, or you could look at the way things are going in the world and begin to lose hope. Well, God, if you're almighty, if you're sovereign, and uh, look at the way of the world. Look how things are going. Can you not do anything? And we could begin to lose hope even lose faith in God and His ability. But Jesus, He doesn't want us to be discouraged. He doesn't want us to grow angry and try to change things through our own efforts. And He doesn't want us to, to lose hope and lose faith. But Jesus wants us to be informed. And so He gives us this parable today to explain some things to us, to explain much of what's going on in the world around us. We see that here in the parable of the weeds. And this is, is really to give us encouragement as followers of Jesus Christ, as we follow him in this world full of darkness and sin. So I hope we see that today. And as we begin then to look at this parable of the weeds... I want to, we're going to break it down in three parts here. First, we're going to look at the proclamation, then the explanation, and then finally, the application. The proclamation, the explanation, and ending with the application. What does it mean to us? What can we learn from the parable? So let's begin then and begin to look at the proclamation. That is the proclamation of this parable as Jesus just gives it out. We may have some things here. We, we can understand some of the things, but there may be some things that we don't quite understand. That was a culture far removed from us. And so we need to understand it was common to the people of his day. It was a common story. Remember, that's what a parable is. It's a, a common story, a common illustration that takes common things of everyday life. The things that people in Jesus' day, those people whom he is teaching, they knew and they knew those things well. He's taking the common to explain and bring light to the uncommon to explain spiritual matters, things that you can't see, touch, and feel. And, and so that's what we're doing. So let's look at the, the proclamation here of the common. What is the, the parable before us? As Jesus begins to explain this parable, or begins to uh, proclaim this parable, rather, he begins by, a man sows good seed in his field. There's a man, and he goes, and he, he sows good seed in his field. Again, we have here, it's another sowing parable. Knowing, another sowing parable. We had the, the sowing of the fields that last week, the sowing of the seeds, uh, and the, the parable of the, the, seed, the sower, or the parable of the fields. And now we come back to another parable of, of sowing. And, and why is that? Because... Well, farming was a very common thing in Jesus' day. Wheat was a staple for the people in Israel. And so they knew all about sowing seed for the wheat harvest. 
And so this is, this is common in, in Jesus' teaching. He uses this idea of sowing seed, of farming, uh, a good bit in his illustrations as he teaches throughout his whole life. And so we have this, this another parable of a, a sower who goes out, and he sows good seed. Jesus points out that this is good seed. It's not bad seed, but it's good seed. It's grade A seed, right? Uh, there is possibility of getting bad seed, isn't there? I got a buddy of mine who is a tomato farmer, and a few years back, a few years back here, he he got a hold of some seed that he thought was good seed, but then when the tomatoes came up, they began to rot on the vine. And come to find out, those seeds were, were not good seed. They were bad seed. They had a, a fungus in them that, that caused them all the, the plants to harvest bad fruit, produce bad fruit. And so he had to end up having to destroy the whole crop. And, and in fact, he had to kind of set those fields aside for a few years. He's not even able to use those fields for a while after that seed. That was bad seed. But Jesus points out the fact that this was not bad seed. This was good seed. It was good seed. It was pure seed. It was all wheat. Very good seed. And it, notice also that he plants in his field. He plants in his field. Uh, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. I want us to hear that, and we're going to come back and focus on that a bit here in a moment in the explanation. But this is not a field, but this is his field. It belongs to this sower, this farmer. And so a man goes out and he sows good seed in his field. Field. And he's doing this just like we talked about last week. The sower goes out and he's broadcasting broadly the seed out there in his field. And so he plants the good seed in his field. But then, as his servants are sleeping that night, an enemy comes in and sows Darnell. Sows Darnell for your blank there in your, your outline. Sows weed. In this case, it's believed that it is a particular weed called Darnell. Uh, you know, every good story needs an antagonist, doesn't it? Someone to come in and stir things up. And, of course, that's what we see here. Uh, I think probably because that's uh, what we see in, in this world, in this fallen world. There's the antagonist, the devil, who comes in to stir up Problem and problems in God's creation. And here we have the same. There's an enemy, an enemy of this farmer who goes out while his, this farmer's servants are sleeping. No one's on guard. And the enemy goes out to cause destruction in this farmer's field. And he goes out and he sows these weeds. He goes and sows Darnell. Now, Darnell... Why do I say it's Darnell? Uh, Darnell is a particularly undesirable weed that uh, was common in, in Jesus' day there in Israel and in Palestine. And it, it was particularly undesirable because it resembled wheat. In fact, when it was growing up out there in the wheat field, it, it looked just like wheat. And the only, only way you could tell the difference between Darnell and wheat was when it began to produce fruit. That's why the passage says there, when it 
produced fruit. Why we, that's why we can say it was probably most likely Darnell. Because they, they didn't realize that it, was, that, that it was the Darnell, the weeds, until it began to produce fruit. That's the only way that you can tell Darnell from wheat. And the Darnell seed, its fruit, is poisonous. Where wheat brings life. It's sustenance for life. Darnell is, is poisonous. And so there's this big problem here. You've got this nice big field of wheat, of good seed, good wheat, and it's growing up in the field, and suddenly as the, the, uh, the wheat and the darnel produces fruit, now you see, uh-oh, uh-oh, there's darnel among the wheat. What are we going to do? We can't harvest the darnel along with the wheat because the darnel is going to be poisonous to us. Poisonous to those who may, might consume it. And so the enemy then comes in and he pours out, he sows this darnel, causes this wonderful problem. Now, what does the farmer, what is the farmer to do? His servants come in and say, Farmer? Master? What ought we do? Here, here we've got the, the, the good seed is coming up and it's producing fruit, but, but now we see we have Darnell growing alongside it. What should we do? Do you want us to go out and harvest the Darnell? Get it out of the wheat field? And the farmer says, No. But both will grow together until the harvest. We're going to let, allow both of them to, to grow together, to come up together until the harvest. Why? Well, because as they're growing together, that's kind of the way it is with when you uh, sow these field crops like that, they, they, they grow close together. Their, their root system kind of shares with one another and, and they kind of intertwine a bit. And so if the farmer went out in his field and his servants go out and begin to pluck out the darnel, what might happen to the wheat? Some of the wheat might get plucked up along with it. Some of the wheat might get harmed along with the, the pulling up of the darnel. So the farmer says, no, just allow both the wheat and the darnel grow together until harvest. And then at harvest time, when I call in the reapers to come harvest the field, I will instruct them at that time to harvest the darnel, the weeds first, bind them in bundles, and cast them into the fire. But the wheat, the wheat then, will be gathered up into the barn. All right, so there's, there's, the, the, there's the proclamation, there's the parable as it stands. A man sows good seed in his field, an enemy comes along and sows darnel amongst the good wheat. And, wondering what to do, the farmer decides both will grow together until the harvest. So now, let's look then at the explanation. What does all of this mean? We, we need to understand it. And so Jesus, this is the second uh, of the parables that Jesus then goes on to explain to his disciples. 
as we see there in verse 36, uh, verse 36 says, Then he left the crowd and went to the house, and his disciples came to him, saying, Explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. So they didn't quite grasp all of this one, and so they're, they're looking for an explanation. And so Jesus gives them the explanation. And it begins then by defining the terms. And that's what we need to do. We need to define the terms here. Figure out what all of these things represent, because that's the thing. The, something in a parable represents a spiritual truth. So what's the representation? How are we to understand that? First of all, he lays out that who the sower is. The one who sows, the one who sows the good seed is the Son of Man. The one who sows the good seed, the sower, that is the Son of Man. That is Jesus himself in his ministry. He is out there sowing the seed, sowing the good seed. He is the sower. And we could say that in a sense that all of those, all of his disciples after him do some of that sowing as well as they take the gospel out to the world. But in this particular parable, Jesus focuses in specifically on himself the sower the one who sows the good seed is the son of man it is jesus christ the very son of god himself and then we see what the field is what the field represents the field is the world the field is the world now notice there it's the sower's world, right? That's what he said in the parable. The field is his world. It's not just a world, but the field is his world. It belongs to Jesus. We need to get that straight. Because as we look at the world around us and we look at all the sin and all the rebellion and all that's going on around us, we might think that, well, Jesus isn't in charge. Surely he's not in charge. Look at all that's going on. But Jesus says it's his world. It's his field. It belongs to him. He is king over the world. Now we know from other parts of Scripture that Satan is ruling over the world in the sense of the world system that's in play right now. The world of man He's reigning over the hearts and the desires of those who follow after him. He is the prince of the power of the air, Ephesians chapter 2 tells us. But notice it's the prince of the power of the air. Air is something that's fleeting. Yesterday I was out helping my brothers and my dad work on a, a barn and we were out there in the heat of the day and, and my brother and I were up on some scaffolding and a breeze began to blow on us. Oh, man. Oh, that feels good. But then all of a sudden, it just died down again. And the air was still. Oh, that's the way the air is. That's the way the wind, it is, blows for a moment, and then it's gone. It's over. And, and that's what that passage in Ephesians is, is talking about. Satan is the prince of the power of the air. He's the prince of the power of a, a system that is only here for a moment. It's temporary, it's fleeting, and then it's going to be gone. One day, Christ is going to return, and that whole system that, that Satan is reigning over, 
will be destroyed and thrown in, into hell's fire. But Jesus is Lord over His creation. This world belongs to Him. He created it. All things were made by Him and through Him and for Him. It is His. Make no mistake about it. Satan may rule and reign over the hearts of those who follow after him, but he doesn't rule and reign over this world. He doesn't do one thing, one thing, without God's approval. Jesus is sovereign over his world. It is his world. And what is the good seed? The good seed is, are the, the children of, of heaven, the children of God's kingdom. The field is the world and the good seed there in verse 38. The good seed is the sons of the kingdom or the children of the kingdom. That's all of those who come to know Christ. All of those who have and will surrender their lives to Christ, Jesus says, they're my seed, they're good seed, and I've planted them in this world of mine. They're the sons of the kingdom, the children of the, the sons and the daughters, the children of the kingdom. And then who are the Darnells? What are the Darnell? Well, of course, that is the sons of the devil. The ones who follow the sons of disobedience, Ephesians chapter 2 again, the sons of disobedience who are following after the prince of the power of the air. The children of wrath, Ephesians calls them. That is, they're the children of God's wrath, the ones who will suffer God's wrath when judgment come, comes. We look out at the world and we see the children who are following after Satan. There's some that it's very evident. Now understand, I'm not talking about just Satan worshipers. Uh, you don't have to have uh, weird clothes and uh, you know, upside down cross tattoos and all that kind of stuff to be a son of Satan. But anyone who, who follows the, the way of the world, the desires of the flesh, who, who never surrender to Christ, Dear friend, if you're following your own desires, living out your life the way you want to live it, and you're completely rejecting Christ and His kingdom, you are a son of Satan. You are a son of the devil. You're following His way. Just like all of us, at one time in our life or the other, we're doing. The sons of disobedience, the sons of... of Satan, those who follow his rule and his reign, are the bad seed, the, the darnell. And how do you know the darnell from the weeds? By their fruit. By their fruit. You look at them growing up and you can't tell the difference between one and the other. But when they come up and they begin to produce fruit, the wheat produce fruit of righteousness. The children of God produce fruit of righteousness for God's glory. And the darnell produces poisonous, sinful fruit. That's what we looked at last week, right? 
the good fruit is the ones who obey Christ, surrender to Christ, follow Christ, and they produce fruits of righteousness. And the same is true here. The darnel produce poisonous, bitter fruit of this world, while the wheat produces fruit of righteousness. And the enemy, of course, is the devil himself. The seed is the weeds are the sons of the evil one, and the enemy who sowed them is the devil, that old liar who from the beginning has been sowing bad fruit, bad seed. Even as he deceived Adam and Eve, he continues to, to deceive the world. And the harvest then is the end of the age. That's what's coming. Look there at the the end of verse 39. The harvest is the end of the age. That's what's to come. That's what's left in this world. We're looking forward to the end of the age. At least we who are following Christ are looking forward to the end of the age because that's going to be a glorious day for those who follow after Jesus. Those who follow after the devil. It's going to be a day of bitter judgment. And the reapers then are the angels. They're the angels of the Lord who come and reap the harvest. So then let us then see the comparison. That's the, defining the terms, but let us also see the comparison here. And, and that's what Jesus goes on in verse 40 to say, just as, that's a key word there, just as. This is how they compare. Just as the weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so will it be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send His angels, and they will gather out of His kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers and throw them into the fiery furnace. And that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That day is coming, dear friend. The day of judgment is coming. The end of the age is coming. And when that day comes, then the harvest will take place. The darnel will be gathered up and bound together. Those who have resisted God's kingdom, those who have resisted Christ, they will be gathered up out of the field, out of the world, and they will be bound and tossed into eternal fire and judgment. The wheat, the wheat will be gathered up and placed in the barn. It will be placed in eternity with Christ. In his eternal kingdom of glory. Oh, don't you see, friends? This is not it. The world as we see it, this is not all there is. There's more to come. There are great things to come. There are great and wonderful things that are still left to come. 
Judgment will come and judgment will fall upon the darnell. Those who are producing evil wheat or evil fruit. But glorious blessing to those who trust in Christ and follow Him. In Revelation, the book of Revelation chapter 20 gives a wonderful picture of this harvest. Then I saw a great white throne and Him who was seated on it. From His presence earth and sky fled away and no place was found for, him, for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne and books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. Those are the evil seed, the bad seed, the darnell. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. That's the, the darnell being gathered up and thrown into the furnace. They will be thrown into the lake of fire that will burn for all of eternity. Oh, but for the wheat, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. That's the wheat. That's the children of the kingdom coming down, shining, adorned as a bride for her husband. And I heard a loud a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man he will dwell with him and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God he will wipe away every tear from their eye and death shall be no more neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away oh dear friend don't be discouraged by the way things are going in this world another day is coming the day is coming where everything will be made right all evil doing will be corrected it will be judged by God and the evil doers will be thrown into hell's fire and those who follow Christ will be gathered into his eternal city to live eternity with him. Look at the central principle here. The central principle of the passage is this. Do not be fooled by the current state of things. For the day of judgment is coming 
only turn to Jesus and be saved. Let me say that again. Do not be fooled by the current state of things, the things in this world. Don't be fooled. Satan would have you to be fooled. Satan would have you to think that he has won the battle. Satan would have you to think that this is it. Live it up now. Enjoy life now. Build up your riches here and now because this is it. That's what Satan wants you to believe. Fall in with the rest of the world, chasing after the things of this world. That's what he wants you to think. That's what he wants you to see. He is deceiving many in this place today who are following after him. Let me build up my riches. Let me build up my bank account. Let me build up my things. Let me build a life here and now. But this is not the end. There's more to come. Judgment is coming. Damnation will fall upon those who do not follow Christ, who resist Christ, who refuse Christ. And dear friend, if that is you, you will spend eternity in hell's fire for your rebellion against God and His Christ. Do not be fooled by the current state of things for the day of judgment is coming only turn to Jesus and be saved that's what Jesus means when he says he who has ears let him hear hear it friend hear it hear the message of the parable and repent from your sin repent from your rebellion and turn to Christ and live else judgment is waiting you Don't be fooled by the current state of things, for the day of judgment is coming. Only turn to Jesus and be saved. What is the application? What is the application? First of all, Christ is sovereign. Christ is sovereign. He's ruling and reigning from His throne in glory today. Don't look at the world and think He's not in control. He is in control. He is sovereign over this world. Second, judge not. Judge not only proclaim dear Christian I want you to hear this because I think this is a, a, an important part for us to hear in this message who's the servants that, that Jesus addresses here who are the servants who want to, to go out and, and root up the Darnell right here right now it's those who are following after him you see, we, we want to do that. We want to judge the world right here, right now. We want to bring his kingdom right here, right now. John's Gospel records an event later on in Jesus' ministry where Jesus goes into a town of Samaria and the town of Samaria refuses him. They refuse to allow him in. We don't want what you've got, Jesus. And James and John come to him and say, Lord, do you want us to call hell fire down upon the city? See, they wanted to go out and pluck up the Darnell. Jesus said, no. No. You might harm some wheat. 
And that's what happens when Christians begin to judge. Think about the, the Salem witch trials. Those were Christians trying to pluck up some Darnell, and what did they do? They harmed a bunch of wheat. Think about the Fox's Book of Martyrs. Just go read through the pages of Fox's books, Book of Martyrs. And you, and you see most of the martyrs, many of the martyrs who are recorded in there who died for their faith, they were murdered by other professing Christians professing to do things for Christ. But Jesus says it's not time to judge it's not our place to pluck up the Darnell. That's for the reapers who are coming. Our job is not to judge. Our job is to proclaim the good news, to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ far and wide. Praise be to God in Christ Jesus. He, can, he even has the power to change Darnell into wheat if he so desires. So let us not judge. Let us not judge, but let us proclaim the gospel. Let us be faithful to proclaim the gospel day in and day out. And let wheat begin to grow. Today is the day of proclamation, not judgment. Third, prepare for judgment. Prepare for judgment. If you are in Christ, you're preparing for judgment by preparing the day that you will stand before your Savior and rejoice with joy to be in His presence. But dear friend, if you're a sinner, you're chasing after the things of this world. Following the course of this world. Following the desires of your heart. Just like the rest of the sons of disobedience, the children of wrath. Prepare for judgment. Prepare for judgment because this won't last. Your life will not last. You may have joy, you may eat, drink, and be merry for a day, but tomorrow judgment's coming. The only way to prepare yourself for judgment is to bow before the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Bow before Jesus Christ. Ask his forgiveness, and he will forgive you. He will save you. He will wipe you clean from your sin. And he will welcome you into his kingdom. Are you ready? Are you prepared for that day? Are you prepared for judgment? Are you ready for the day that the King of kings and the Lord of lords will burst through the heavens and with a loud trumpet the living and the dead will be raised to judgment? Are you ready? Are you in Christ? Don't be drawn away into the lie of Satan. But turn to the truth, the way, the truth, and the life. Turn to Jesus. And He'll save you. Oh, Heavenly Father, 
Oh Lord, as we look at the world and Lord, we see all the things going on in the world. We see fellow brothers and sisters in Christ dying around the world for their faith. Being martyred for Your name's sake. We see fellow brothers and sisters in Christ throughout Iran and Iraq and Syria being kicked out of their homes and, and pushed into refugee camps all for the name of Jesus. We see sin coming up more and more. We see a, a, a nation falling more and more into rebellion. Saying, flip off God, we don't need you. And we with creation groan, oh Lord, how long? How long? But Lord, Your Word promises us that the day is coming when You will return and You will make all things right. Oh Lord, I pray that we'd be ready. I pray that we would be ready. And Lord, if there's anyone who is not ready today, pierce their hearts. Let them see the fruit of their life. Let them turn from following the way of this world and follow You. This I pray in Christ's name. Amen.